kidding. Hi, Father Ian Van Heusen here. This is the Art of Living Well podcast, where I like to take the opportunity to go a little bit deeper into topics I cover on my social media presence, on my website, and in my Facebook videos and YouTube videos, but in this kind of audio format, which helps me to kind of flesh things out a little bit. Um, I'm also going to be inviting kind of guests on um, to kind of help me have those deeper conversations and to kind of make it a little bit more interactive. So today I have with me uh, Peter Hines, who's the host of the Two or Three podcast, which is a great podcast where he talks about uh, extraordinary men, extraordinary, ordinary Christians, and he gives great testimonials and interview style, and he's going to be helping me out with our podcast today. So welcome, Pete. I appreciate having you. Sure thing, Father. Thanks for uh, asking me to come on. Appreciate it. Yeah. So why don't we start off, uh, before we get into the topic for this episode, um, can you just introduce yourself a little bit, Pete? Yeah. So uh, name is Pete Hines, and I'm married with um, five kids, been married about 17 years. My kids are ages three to 13. Um, and I grew up as a uh, nominal Catholic, you could say, um, up in Long Island, and it's a long story, but I eventually uh, totally dropped the faith. And then when I was 27, I met my wife, who was an evangelical Protestant, about to go on the mission field. And then I became an evangelical Protestant. Um, we dated for three years, got married. Three years later, uh, I started having questions, started reading uh, some Catholic apologetics, and then I became a Catholic. And then a year later, um, my wife became a Catholic. So that's a long story. Um, anyway, since then, uh, I've been involved with um, doing different things like uh, starting men's groups at my church and retreats and things like that. So different apostolates. And um, and then about a year ago, I started the podcast on my own. So, And I'm a financial planner by trade. That's what I do for, oh. for, for a living. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for the introduction. So we'll just jump right in. So the topic I want to get into this week is um, this week is contrition and the spiritual exercises. So I'd be curious your take on this. What was your thoughts? I mean, what was your perception of the idea of contrition or sorrow for sins when you were growing up, even maybe when you're evangelical or when you're Protestant? Before I jump into kind of my read on it based on the spiritual exercises, what, what would you say? What would be the perceptions, either yours or others, about contrition? I mean, I'd be curious your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I, it's hard to remember <clears throat> as a kid because, you know, I went to CCD and whatnot, but, and I, I, you know, we went to church every Sunday. But I just, uh, we didn't talk about it a whole lot. So, Christian was just a topic in religion class, really. Um, and then as I got older, um, you know, you start to live life and you start to actually do things that you might want to have contrition for. But again, the, the thought of having to, I thought that was an outdated notion that, you know, Christianity and sins and, and things like that. So, um, but then when I became an evangelical, I really understood who Jesus Christ was and that he really was a historical figure who really died for our sins. And that, well, then that, and if he was really God, you know, a la um, mere Christianity and C.S. Lewis, then uh, that means I am a sinful person. And so I do, even if I have done things and I didn't feel I better feel contrition because they're obviously sinful to God if Jesus Christ is who he says he is and if what he says is true. That makes perfect sense. And yeah, for me, a big perception like when I was a kid is maybe it's a little bit, I don't know, were you growing up with like the whole self-esteem culture? So yeah, for Probably, yeah. 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 So for me, it was always like there was this disconnect where, you know, in, in school you're being told to like believe in yourself, like, um, yeah, believe in yourself. 
uh, have good self-esteem. And then you'd go to, you'd go to religion. But even then at the time, it was always, for me growing up, there was a little bit of a disconnect because the priests were kind of, and a lot of the religious leaders were speaking that kind of self-esteem language, but then you would hear St. Paul and you, you always hear St. Paul at the, at the, and you're like, you hear this, like, um, you know, the flesh is weak, uh, the, you know, but the spirit is willing. And you hear about this whole b- battle between the spirit and the flesh. And part of me was thinking like, well, are we really like in tune with what these scriptures are saying? It felt like a little bit of a disconnect. I, I never had anybody kind of explain to me that like, perhaps contrition is like a good part of good psychological health, or maybe, I mean, a kid may not be able to completely understand that, but it was never presented. And then when I got into seminary, you started to hear these traditional devotions where it's like, you know, um, emphasizing our need for contrition. And I never quite got it until recently hearing confessions. I'm not going to, you know, break the seal or anything, you would sometimes encounter folks that may have a hard time with this idea that they're a sinner in need of forgiveness. Um, you know, so you'll get sometimes folks will be like, well, I've done some wrong things, but I'm a good person. And you're kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's true. Like you don't want to, it's not like God wants us to beat ourselves up. But what I'm finding now is based on, especially on the spiritual exercises is the importance of contrition to the spiritual life. So let me back up a little bit and then get your thoughts on this a little bit. So in the in Saint Ignatius, are you familiar with the spiritual exercises at all? That probably are you familiar with yeah. those? Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll fill in folks who may not be. So Saint Ignatius of Loyola basically creates a thirty day retreat where it's a series of exercises, and he really does think of it almost like physical exercises. So you take a concept, you take a scene from Scripture, you take a scene from Jesus's life, and he gives a whole other series of meditations. And you kind of reflect on them like five or six hours a day. And this kind of intense spiritual experience where you're also fasting, um, you're doing vigils sometimes, you're interrupting your sleep, and they do adapt them a little bit. Everybody's uh, experience of the exercise would be slightly different. But so he adapts these spiritual exercises. Well, you know, one of the great hot topics right now in Catholic circles, which is a good one, is the idea of discernment. And they'll often talk about, you know, God works through consolation, and then we have to learn how to adapt to desolation. And so we have these cycles of consolation and desolation. But what I think was missing from my formation, and hopefully you're tracking all of this, was in the first week when you're first discerning the work of the Holy Spirit, the exercises within the exercise is you're imagining hell and you're imagining that you've been condemned because of your sins. And then you, you build in gratitude that you've been forgiven for God's mercy. So it's this profound connection of sorrow for sins and connection with mercy. And that's how you first discern the work of the Holy Spirit. So I'd be curious, your reflection on that. What do you, what do you think about that? What are your initial thoughts on that? You know, as, as you're talking, I just keep thinking about how the times when I have felt contrition, and felt my sin the most seriously, maybe the time when I really stumbled in, um, was the times that I, I was, where I really, I felt like that, like a piece of driftwood that I was just holding on to in a big ocean. And I was like, that was like, I was like, thank God I had to hold on to. Like, that was the thing that and closest to God so thankful for his love and his mercy was for my sin as opposed to 
um, you know, other times where you're doing fine, pretty well day to day. And then, you know, you can kind of take that for granted. God's love and mercy. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's a powerful image. Like you said, when you're, when you're, you like God's mercy is like a piece of driftwood that you, you cling to Um, that, that, that makes perfect sense. And I don't know. I mean, it's also, it's powerful that, you know, the, the, the dark times, I'd be curious your thoughts on this is as I kind of get older, I'm starting to realize that it's often in through trials and struggles that we grow the most, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the, the dangers of the kind of self-esteem ideas that I was kind of raised with was that, that there wasn't a place for sorrow and there wasn't a place for this. It was almost like a stilted humanity where you didn't have the full expression of what it means to be human. I think one of the things with growing up with the self-esteem culture is it kind of like stilted or limited your humanity. So like an emphasis on, you know, always have positive thinking, always have positive emotions. And it was almost like there's a sense that it limits the expression of what it means to be human. Like, I think the Catholic view is a little bit bigger. Like there's a place for sorrow. There's a place for sadness. Like there's a place for all of that um, within the Catholic religion. And I don't know, I, I, I didn't feel like I got a good sense of that growing up. Like it's healthy to mourn for our sins periodically. It's not just something that we do with bad self-esteem, if that makes sense. Anyway, I was going to, I was thinking of something that it would have been too far afield, but yeah, I, I, you know, I have, sometimes I, I remember asking a friend of mine who, um, more on the secular side of things, he's, he, you know, uh, but he still has lots of doubts, but I, you know, I, I asked him once, I said, you know, when you sin, when you do something that you know is wrong, when I, he didn't really have an answer for that. And when I was, uh, before I was a believer, um, I just don't even think I admitted. I don't think, I think, I almost think to yourself that you are a sinner and that you actually sin unless there, because it's just too horrible. Unless you have a savior and a God who created you and knows that he loves you and saved you anyway. As long, with that, you know you're still good and you're still lovable and worthy and wanted. So therefore you can turn and face your sin and really grapple with it. But without that, feel like a monster. So I think a lot of times people without God, they can't even admit to themselves what they know in their heart is that they've sinned and that we're all sinners, but that they can't even face it because it's just too horrible without some kind of savior, without a release valve, it, you just can't even face it. That, that's a great insight. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, it's like contrition um, and recognizing the ugliness of what we're capable of. We can't face that reality and overcome it without Jesus Christ is kind of what you're saying. That 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 is a great idea because it's like, what is contrition? What is contrition without Jesus? It's, it's despair. It's, um, you know, it's a downward cycle perhaps like where you can't, you can't, you can't cultivate hope. You can't cultivate um, awareness of God's mercy. You know, I think that that might be a good, I might have to use that in a homily. That's a great, it's like, 
it's like contrition with Jesus, with the possibility of salvation, with the possibility of redemption, is that's the whole way to to really grow. Um, absolutely, because I think what the world would say is is well, you just have to like kind of ignore all of that side of yourself, or you have to you know reframe it or or just try to, I, I don't even know what the world offers to that. Like, what does the world offer to somebody who, who, who's starting to be aware of the kind of darker side of their heart, um, the dar- darker side of their humanity? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, because I, I, I have friends, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I have friends who are in the positive psychology field, and most psychologists are, are atheists. Um, they, 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 would, they would admit that freely. There's, there's very few psychologists that are, are not atheists. Um, luckily, some, I work with some of the Catholic ones. But this, the psychologists, the positive psychologists uh, that I was friends with, would talk about character strengths, virtue, and, um, and all of these ways of succeeding and flourishing. Um, but they didn't have a whole lot of answers to that question of how do you deal with, not on a mental illness side, but how do you deal with the reality that you have a darker side to your humanity? How do you overcome that without God's grace and with God's mercy? I think that's, that's a great challenge. Um, you know, I think that could be even a way to talk with um, an atheist or a non-believer because for you know, we sometimes, yeah, I'd be curious your thoughts on that. Because have you ever had a conversation with somebody? You mentioned you had some conversations with folks about that. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Yeah, well, imagine, yeah, it was a long time ago, but I don't think my friend really had an answer for that. And if I just would imagine having that conversation with somebody else, say an atheist, or, I mean, I think the only would be, well, I don't, I don't sin. I don't do things that are that bad. I mean, sure, I do a little thing here or there. But, and I said, really, you don't ever do anything is wrong. You never do something that you know and you think is wrong. I'm not talking about murder, but other things wrong and you shouldn't do, but you never do that. And they'll probably say, no, I don't, because they can't, our society, they would probably say, no, I don't. And they will feel in their foolish that's the only answer they could give because our society tell the world tells us nothing is wrong everything is subjective so there's really no true objective wrong they can't even they're hearing that and again without crazy the fact that it is wrong and you know there's a lot of things that seem little to us that we do but god is so holy it's abhorrent to him telling little lies is abhorrent to him um things that we think our little things are not what God wants for us. So there's, there's, that's another aspect of the whole thing is that there's part of us that we really don't realize how, and even for the aspects that we do realize, we just can't face it. Absolutely. 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 And you, you even talked about those like little things that are important to God. And that's why I think in that first week, we start to the you start to get into, and this is where a, a fuller definition of contrition could also help the listeners. Is for me, I think early on when we think of contrition, we think of sorrow for kind of like big sins, so like breaking the Ten Commandments or whatever. But what the saints would say is, and, and this is like our trajectory of growth, 
is that sensitivity to how we fall is actually is, is a hallmark of holiness. You know, the desert fathers would say that the just man, the holy man, falls seven times a day. I, I, I got to look up the quote specifically, but it's something to that effect. You know, I don't, I'm kind of like not in scholarly mode. So I kind of throw stuff out there. I'm pretty sure I'm like 90% sure it's there. But anyways, the just man falls seven times a day. And they would talk about daily sins, daily ways that we show our selfishness or we show our lack of concern. And, you know, what contrition opens us to and with the Desert Fathers was this idea that with every breath, with every step of our day, we turn away from the sin, we reject it, and then we embrace Jesus Christ and his mercy. And um, yeah, it is funny. You mentioned that with some folks, that there's a complete lack of awareness of personal sin. And I would always challenge somebody, if, if you're really, like if you're a listener and you're thinking, well, I'm a really good person, I don't sin that much, I would say that maybe you need to examine your heart a little bit more, not in a scrupulous way, not in a way that kind of makes you self-conscious or, you know, you know, bad self-esteem. That's not what we're, we're shooting after, but like examining your heart and seeing those little ways that you, you fall short of the glory of God. Um, and, and that that is a path to freedom. So that's the first week with this meditation on contrition to discern the work of the Holy spirit is to prepare you for later in the exercises to make a decision. It's like an introductory step to the spiritual life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a little bit of a delay. Go ahead, Pete. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, okay. Well, what, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, is, have you, I mean, as you grow in holiness, you grow in awareness of your, how you fall short. I mean, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, it's, it's still not easy to do. Right. I, I know. Uh, I don't know. There's a balance there that I'm sure we'll learn more about it exercises as you continue to, to teach on it, but um, you can be scrupulous, and I don't think God wants us to live there either, so finding that balance of, this is, I'm sure it's some of the stage, I'm assuming, with their exercises is to get us in touch with our sinfulness, and then it's going to continue to shepherd us into eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. You kind of broke up a little bit, but I think I could fill in the blanks. Yeah. The, um, and we'll, we'll do something a little bit different for the next podcast, but the, um, yeah, that's actually, I think the whole lesson of the first week is true contrition versus false contrition. So like a true contrition that's liberating and freeing versus a false contrition, which is scrupulosity and, and ultimately is kind of hidden pride. I mean, not that we beat ourselves up for that then, but it's like, and St. Ignatius does give some, um, he does give some ideas within the exercises on how to deal with somebody who has a scrupulous conscience and how to deal with some folks who may have a lax conscience. And that's what's neat about it. It really is a complete system. Um, well, this has been fun. Yeah, I think we're about, this was a good conversation. We'll, um, I'll, I'll have you on again and we'll kind of talk a little bit more. Um, but this has been, uh, I think, been a good conversation. Um, we'll we'll, we'll kind of conclude with this, but this has been the Art of Living Well podcast. And um, I had Pete on. We were talking about the importance of contrition and the spiritual exercises. Uh, so thanks for listening. God bless.